Good morning. This is Long Island Morning Edition on 88.3 WLIW-FM, heard in Western Suffolk on 96.9 FM. I'm Michael Mackey. More drivers aged 65 and above died in Nassau and Suffolk automobile crashes last year than anywhere else across New York State, which overall posted the most such collisions in nearly a decade, mirroring a national upward trend, according to an analysis by AAA Northeast. Olivia Winslow reports on Newsday.com that there were 214 fatal crashes in 2022 among drivers at least 65 in New York, according to the nonprofit AAA Northeast, which has 67 offices statewide and elsewhere in the Northeast region. The Auto Club said the number of drivers in the over-65 age group killed in 2022 crashes in the state was the most since 2013, when there were 230. Culling local data from the Institute for Traffic Safety Management Research, AAA Northeast found that in 2022, Suffolk topped the state with 26 fatal crashes involving seniors, followed by Nassau, which recorded 14, said a spokesman for the Auto Club, Robert Sinclair, in an email. He added that between 2013 and 2022, there were 212 such fatal crashes in Suffolk and 164 in Nassau. Among the contributing factors leading to the fatal crashes, failure to yield was number one, according to the Auto Club's report issued this week, followed by improper lane changes, unsafe speed, distracted driving, and disregarding a traffic control device. Sag Harbor architect Ron Reed, who also serves on the Village Planning Board, reached out to contacts at the New York Institute of Technology earlier this year to pitch the idea of fifth-year students using Sag Harbor Village as the backdrop for their senior projects. To his delight, the school took him up on his proposal. This fall, the 10 students in Architecture and Applied Utopias envisioning a resilient Sag Harbor, working with Associate Professor Dong Chai Kim and Reed, are doing just that. The students have visited Sag Harbor Village to do research and plot out their projects and will find them over the academic year. As reported on 27East.com, the students, whose projects range from a proposal for floating housing to a regional train loop connecting Sag Harbor to the North Fork, will unveil their work at an open forum on December 19th at Bay Street Theater in Sag Harbor. They will return to present their finished projects late in the spring. The Forum at Bay Street Theater, which has offered its space free for the event, will take place from 1.30 to 5 p.m. There will be overviews of the project as well as individual presentations. The Southampton Town Board will be accepting public comment on its Climate Action Plan at next Tuesday's public hearing at 1 p.m. in Town Hall. Beth Young and East End Beacon reports that the plan, in the works since 2021, lays out a path for the town of Southampton to follow to reach its ambitious goals of dramatically reducing the town's carbon emissions, with the goal of Southampton Town being carbon neutral by the year 2040. Southampton Town's Climate Action Plan outlines the interplay of state and federal policies, sequestration of carbon and local initiatives that will be part of the puzzle of getting to carbon neutrality. 
The consultants believe nearly half of the reduction can come from local actions outlined in Southampton's plan. From its headquarters at 168 Hill Street in Southampton Village, Heart of the Hamptons distributes a week's worth of groceries to families every Wednesday and Friday year-round, offering clothing, diapers, and other basic essentials, while also providing crisis intervention, aid for seniors, extensive support for school children, and case-by-case assistance to meet the community's needs. Heart of the Hamptons now serves more than 2,600 households and provides more than a million dollars in food support to East End residents every year. Kaylin Riley reports on 27East.com that while support for the organization comes in many forms, for the past two decades, one of its biggest fundraisers has been the annual Polar Bear Plunge at Cooper's Beach in Southampton. It has become a highly anticipated event, with organizers employing residents to get freezing for a great reason. Heart of the Hamptons will celebrate the 20th anniversary of the Polar Bear Plunge tomorrow, with registration and check-in starting at 9 a.m., and the plunge into the icy waters of the Atlantic Ocean set to start at 10 a.m. on Saturday. Last year, more than 800 people descended on the beach, some making the brave leap into the water, others there to cheer them on and show their support while staying dry. Those who would like to participate in tomorrow's Polar Bear Plunge at Cooper's Beach in Southampton, diving in or just donating, can learn more at heartofthehamptons.org. All donations are 100% tax deductible. Suffolk County District Attorney Ray Tierney said his office is investigating allegations made by Suffolk County Legislator Robert Trotta that outgoing police commissioner Rodney K. Harrison falsified timesheets to receive a larger payout for used time when he leaves the department later this month. Michael O'Keefe and Vera Chinesi report on Newsday.com that Trotta, a Republican from Fort Salonga, a frequent and vocal critic of the Suffolk County Police Department and the Suffolk Police Benevolence Association, alleged in a news release yesterday that Harrison changed leave days to sick days on previously filed timesheets to get a larger payout. In the news release, Trotta urged Tierney to open an investigation. We take allegations of this type seriously, D.A. Tierney said in a statement to Newsday, hours after Trotta made his letter public, we will confer with the chief of department. Harrison said he changed some vacation days to sick days for additional time off, which he said is a common practice in the Suffolk County Police Department. He changed them back after consulting with the county attorney, he said. The Roaring Twenties are coming to the Rogers Memorial Library this weekend. All That Twenties, a concert in the Morris Meeting Room of the Rogers Memorial Library in Southampton, starts at 3 p.m. on Sunday. The RML team invites you to join them for a special Sunday concert that covers music from the 1920s. Learn more about composers such as Irving Berlin, George Gershwin, Cole Porter, Kurt Vile, and more, while enjoying some of the tunes that captured the hearts of early 20th century Americans. Featuring Ilana Meredith, vocals, Joe Rutkowski, piano, and Jim Mackin, historian. That's at the Rogers Memorial Library in Southampton this Sunday from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m., where folks will be making whoopee. 
The Sandland Mine in Noyak, within the town of Southampton, New York, resembles the cratered surface of the moon, a treeless, torn-up worksite that underscores the demand for a vital, if often overlooked, natural resource. Hillary Howard in the New York Times reports that sand is crucial for building. It's used to make concrete, asphalt, and glass. And for over a century, sand from Long Island has helped build New York City's skyline. But under the mine, there is another precious commodity, an aquifer system that provides Long Island's only source of drinking water. The nation is facing a groundwater crisis, and Long Island, moreover, has a history of ignoring threats to its water until they become emergencies. To avoid adding to that history, environmental activists and local government officials want Sandland to close. The mining operation, they say, is cutting an open wound into the ground that could eventually taint the water underneath. But sand mining has not damaged the region's underground water supply, argue those in the business, while state regulators add that there is no reliable evidence of negative effects. There has never been an instance of a mine, whether it's a hard rock mine in upstate New York or a sand and gravel mine on Long Island, seriously impacting the groundwater in any way, said John Tintel, owner of Sandland. Moreover, the sand mining industry employs some 175 workers, from laborers and machine operators to executives, who collect over $75 million in salaries on Long Island, said Mark Herbst, director of the Long Island Contractors Association. This has been Long Island Local News on Long Island's only NPR station, WLIW-FM. I'm Michael Mackey.